Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. So deep inside, you're, you're going to need a crowbar to get it out. Well, you know, we, we um, ladies and gentlemen, we, we bitch and moan all the time. We do, we humans, when the uh, weather guys get it wrong. But uh, today, here in New Orleans, we're celebrating because they got it so wrong yesterday about the uh, first day of parades. Said it was going to rain and rain and rain all night. And it didn't rain. So congratulations to all the weather, weather guys and gals who got it wrong. Um, and may you get it wrong again next weekend. I, um, I have an announcement to make. I, I don't say this with any pleasure. Uh, but I don't say anything with any pleasure these days. So I, uh, I've had to uh, dismiss my faith advisor um, who, well, l- let me, without disclosing too much information and, and uh, embarrassing anybody who may be involved, uh, just say that uh, it, it hadn't occurred to me that when he's, he would say on occasion, let us pray, that he was spelling it with an E. So um, now you may have heard that Hil- uh, BuzzFeed reported this week that Hillary Clinton's faith advisor during her 2008 campaign had some problems with uh, the sexual harassment thing as the perp, as the perp, as the alleged perp. Uh, BuzzFeed reported all of this and including the most um, startling fact. Now, this is a, a, a guy brought in to kind of uh, introduce or let the Hillary Clinton campaign make make better contact with the and I'm going to use a term of art here, ladies and gentlemen, the faith community. And um, one of the things that BuzzFeed reported was that he was uh, buying porn on his road trips. Happily married, but, you know. And uh, all the kids in my faith activities office uh, kind of raised an eyebrow at that, uh, saying as if in unison, hadn't the dude heard of the Internet? Internet, they said. So I had to to drop him like a bad habit. Um, And speaking of the godly, news of the godly, just like that. How do these things happen? Dayline Worcester Mass. The Vatican has defracked a priest who was named in one of the Worcester Diocese's largest sex abuse settlements. The diocese said Peter Inzerillo was laicized Zap, you're laicized at his own request. Uh-oh. Is, is it an enjoyable process? The decision means Inzerillo may not function in any capacity as a priest or be referred to as father. Still refer to him as mother, I guess. The diocese had removed Inzerillo from the ministry in 2000. <laughs> it's like a little, little chimey ring shot, rim shot there. The diocese had removed Inzerillo from the ministry way back in 2002. So what was the uh, delay? Uh, local newspaper, the Telegram and Gazette, because the Telegram is not enough, reports that Inzerillo was accused of sexually assaulting a 19-year-old man in 1985. The diocese settled the case way back in 1999 for the 300K. And Inzerillo was not criminally charged, but he has, after all these years, finally been defrocked. Take that frock off. What the frock? Oh, and by the way, we're not number one. The U.S. has dropped to eighth place in U.S. News and World Report's best countries list. <laughs> best countries. 
ladies and gentlemen. What's the best zip code, U.S. News? Anyway, that's um, that's all the news that's not fit to print on Hello. Welcome to the show. She said she saw crows kissing Underneath the rainbow in Brooklyn That's not good luck, then what is it? If you don't look up, then you miss it She says things like that all of the time You can't tell if she's laughing or crying Yeah, I don't think she's lying Laughing or crying She said she saw a big fat rat In the subway Carrying the key to the city If that's not just a curse Then I'll be some things you just can't see. She says things like that all of the time. You can't tell if she's laughing or crying. Yeah, I don't think she'd be lying. Laughing or She saw an angel with a cigarette Cursing like a pirate While he's smoking it And if that's not just exquisite Then what is it? If you don't look up Then you miss it She says stuff like that all of the time
laughing and crying from the home of the Mississippi River, New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. You. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. So much to be listening to about microplastics this week for, for example, it's well established that marine animals eat plastic, but it's assumed they do so because of optical illusions or indiscriminate feeding. Turtles likely eat past plastic bags because they look like jellyfish, but that helps them with their memory. And filter feeders, including oysters, ingest tiny bits of plastic along with anything else floating in the water. This is from Coastal Review Online. Plastic consumption may not always be so easily explained. Quote, our study suggests there's potentially another reason as well, and that is that plastic may inherently taste attractive. That's a quote from Alex Seymour at the uh, Geographic Information System at the Duke Marine Lab, where they study marines at ease. The conclusion is the result of a series of experiments conducted by Seymour and a doctoral candidate at the lab, showing that not only do corals eat plastic, they actually prefer it. Nine out of ten corals. Their findings have inspired new pathways of research on plastics and marine life with implications for the plastic industry and food security. Quote, the reason it's important is corals are foundational and all sorts of animals eat corals, says another researcher at Duke. He used his expertise in chemical toxicology to advise the uh, researchers on their project. Richoff, Dan Richoff is the gentleman, the toxicologist. He says when corals eat plastic, the consequences reverberate through the ecosystem. It's not the plastic necessarily that's going up the food chain, he said. It's the molecules in the plastic that are going up the chain. They include plastic additives, many of which have unknown effects on human health. So they got to be good for you. So the red snapper you eat from Indonesia, for example, he says, could have levels of toxic compounds in it that you don't know anything about. Scientists are still studying what happens to animals that eat small plastic fragments. Your microplastics. The surprising result led uh, researchers to um, keep researching. I know why corals like plastics. But there's more. Billions of pieces of plastic pollution are snagged on coral reefs. And that sends disease rates soaring on the reefs. This is from The Guardian. The discovery compounds the damage being done to that habitat that already faces an existential threat from warming caused by climate change. If you believe that. Scientists examined 125,000 corals across the Asia-Pacific region, home to half the world's reefs. 89% of those fouled by plastic. It's, I guess there's, it's harm and foul and found 89% of those were suffering disease. On plastic-free reefs, only 4% of the corals were diseased. The finger points at the plastic. The work is highly significant because it's the first to examine the impact of plastic on disease in any marine organism and also the first to produce a large-scale estimate of how much plastic pollutes the sea floor. Well, of course you throw... That's, why you, that's where you throw things is on the floor, isn't it? Coral reefs in the region are contaminated with 11 billion pieces of plastic. And do the corals send us a thank you card for the, for the gift? They do not. At least 8 million tons of plastic are dumped in the ocean every year. It now pollutes even the remotest corners. 
The ocean has corners? Wow. Microplastics can be mistaken for food by sea creatures. The science, uh, or chosen, as we just learned. The scientists who conducted the new study did not set out to research plastic, but were confronted by it across the regions they surveyed. The correlation between plastic pollution and high rates of disease was very striking. The researchers think sharp plastic fragments or plastic flagments cut the coral organisms while plastic fabrics smother them and block out light and oxygen. Corals are animals just like you and me, says uh, one of the researchers. They become wounded and then infected. Yep, that's me, all right. The new research was published in Science. Plastics are ideal vessels for microorganisms with pits and pores, so it's like cutting yourself with a really dirty knife. During dives, the uh, chief researcher, Jolea Lamb, found objects from plastic chairs to baby diapers to a Nike-branded quick-dry towel. I saw a big white Nike swoosh right there where the disease was and thought, oh gosh, this is not great, oh, she said. Once a coral is infected, disease usually spreads across the colony. There's not much you can do to stop it, she says. If a piece of plastic happens to entangle on a coral, it has a pretty bad chance of survival. She means the coral, not the plastic. Corals are vital for at least 275 million people who rely on them for food, coastal protection from storms, and income from tourism. The scientists said it is critical to cut plastic pollution. The diseases particularly associated with plastic were skeletal eroding band disease, white syndromes, and black band disease. Corals with complex branching structures, which provide crucial nursery niches for young fish, were eight times more likely to have entangled plastic. They only measured, by the way, plastics larger than uh, five centimeters in length. You do the math. So they didn't assess the, the impact of microplastics. The researcher warned there are a lot of other pollutants in the water that are probably just as bad as plastic. You just can't see them. A, a researcher at the James Cook University in Australia said, I'd never thought of bits of plastic as a vector of disease spread from the slime that coats them, but the study shows convincingly that toral, corals entangled in plastic are 20 times more likely to be infected. Plastic pollution tarnishing coral reefs in the Asia-Pacific area will soar by 40% in the next seven years unless action is taken. Well, let's act. Action. Cut. Although marked as the caviar of the sea, fleur de sel may contain much larger amounts of microplastics than normal salt. It's fleur de plastique. This according to a new German study reported in the Green News of Ireland. Ah, the Green News of Ireland. Fleur de sel is seen as an extraordinarily noble salt by many customers due to its harvesting method, usually by hand from the surface of salt ponds. It's a bit pricey, but that might not indicate better quality, according to this new study. It compared the microplastics contents of fleur de sel and common, common sea salt from the Institute for Chemistry and Biology of the Marine Environment, or the ICBM. Uh-oh, duck! In its study, the German-based institute compared different salts from German super, supermarkets, or Ubermarsch, with every sample found to contain some level of microplastics, but fleur de sel samples contained much more than common salt. My, one, just one word, ladies and gentlemen. Microplastics. And now, it's time for me to breed the trades for you. 
It's a whole different thing. After H&M debacle, business booms for reputation firms. It's from Advertising Age, and I'll read it for you. Don't thank me, or thank me. It was a rough start to this year for H&M, the uh, fast fashion clothing chain. Other retailers are paying attention, knowing their brand could easily come under fire next. Reputation management consulting firms are seeing increased interest from retailers eager to avoid and prepare for any controversy similar to the H&M debacle. That happened, as you may recall, after the Swedish apparel seller posted an ad of a black child wearing a hoodie that read, quote, coolest monkey in the jungle, unquote. Global protests, both in person and on social media, have erupted, calling the chain racist. Recent developments in the backlash include store closures following violent demonstrations in South Africa and the relocation of the child model and his mother from their home in Stockholm due to security concerns. In an age of hyper-awareness of potential racism and sexism, business is booming for firms like Reputation Institute, a Boston-based outfit that has roughly 350 global clients, such as Kroger and Procter & Gamble. The 20-year-old company, which has eight offices outside North America, had at a Chicago office last month. Two additional U.S. locations will open this year. It's also offering more products and services, such as the ability to measure corporate responsibility. I hope it's a thermometer type deal. Those always look good. And certain public opinion. The chief research officer of the Reputation Institute says debacles like H&M's are easier to overcome if the brand already has established itself as a, quote, good corporate citizen, unquote. He goes on, it really is all about the premise of how reputation has become so much more important above and beyond the brand and what it delivers. You can't just sell your wares. You have to sell your company, the brand that stands behind those products, he says. He expects consumers will see more branding stories around values and social responsibility from retailers in coming months as brands try to foster goodwill with consumers ahead of any potential controversy on social media. Chicago-based Blink-on-Demand Crisis PR, a PR consulting firm, hence the PR in their name, debuted new software for crisis management for brands last week. The cloud-based product, can't be hacked, of course, offers real-time and interactive worksheets for companies to weather social media storms and costs one-tenth of what an agency would charge for a crisis plan, according to the president of Blink. For its part, H&M is still making corporate changes following the outcry that included criticism from former celebrity collaborator The Weeknd. I think that means he's a former collaborator. Last I looked, he's still a celebrity. While the fast fashion chain removed the hoodie in question and issued multiple apologies, it said last week it's taking the additional step of hiring a diversity leader, Annie Wu, who previously worked as global manager for employee relations for H&M, is now tasked with helping to 
build respect, understanding, caring, and equality into every aspect of our decision-making, according to a spokeswoman. Do they have a faith of a Dizer yet? The spokeswoman added regarding all of these good things. Something we've been doing for a long time, but we need to expand and speed this up. Speed up the building of respect, understanding, caring, and equality. Care more now. copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Just a thought that occurs to me. When I read the trades for you. But now, news of Nice Corp. Nice people. Doing nice things. Well, it's not so nice for the good folks at Fox. Oh. Yeah, there are some. I know. I'm sorry. There are there are some good folks at Fox. Um, Fox's proposed 15 billion dollar takeover of the British and European satellite servers Sky has been deemed not to be in the public interest. That's a ruling from the Competition and Markets Authority in the United Kingdom. That's not necessarily good news for um, the nice people. The regulator ruled against 21st Century Fox's bid to take control of the remaining 60% of 61% of Sky due to concerns about media plurality, like too much media owned by one old cranky Australian guy. Uh, excuse me, American. It found that if the deal went ahead, it would lead to the Murdoch Family Trust. <laughs> well, one of those words is real, I guess. No, two of them. That's two out of three is not bad for a name. The Murdoch Family Trust, you see, ladies and gentlemen, which controls Fox and Nice Corp, increasing its control over Sky so that it would have too much control over news providers in the U.K. across TV, radio, online, and newspapers, and therefore too much influence over public opinion and the political agenda. They say that is a bad thing. The uh, Rupert's news outlets are watched, read, or heard by nearly a third of the U.K.'s population have a combined share of the public's news consumption significantly greater than all other news providers except the BBC and the private TV news organization, ITN. Well, those are the big two, so yeah. The chair of the independent investigation said, media plurality goes to the heart of our democratic process. Uh-oh. Well, the United States is in trouble. Then. Well, we know we're in trouble, but it's very important that no group or individual should have too much control of our news media or too much power to affect the political agenda. We have found that if Fox Sky merger went ahead as proposed, it would be against the public interest. It would result in the Murdoch family having too much control over news providers in the UK and too much influence over public opinion and the political agenda. But the, it has trust in the name. Don't, due to its content, control of News Corp, the Murdoch family already has significant influence over public opinion, and full ownership of Sky by Fox would strengthen this even further, said the commission. Fox said it welcomed 
the uh, agency's finding that the company has a genuine commitment to broadcasting standards, and the transaction would not be in the public interest in that respect. Regarding plurality, we're disappointed by the findings. We will continue to engage with the agency, that is to say, lobby furiously, ahead of the publication of the final report in May. On the 1st of May, it is moving day. So, not, not, not good news for Nice Corp. But they, it is, you know, nice, nice people doing nice things. Speaking of Nice Corp and the nice people, one of its owners, aside from the Murdoch Family Trust, is Prince, uh, or has been. I think he's just sold, sold his uh, in stake a couple of years ago, but he was a big uh, stakeholder in News Corp, Nice Corp. Uh, for about 20 years, Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, one of Saudi Arabia's top international businessmen. You may remember that our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia uh, put him under house arrest along with uh, several dozen other members of the Saudi hierarchy last November, part of a uh, supposed cleanup campaign, anti-corruption campaign by the uh, new Prince Salman. He's been released from detention, has Prince Al-Walid. Hours after he told Reuters in an interview at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel that he expected to be cleared of any wrongdoing, a senior Saudi official said Prince Al-Walid was freed after he reached a financial settlement with the Attorney General. Quote, the Attorney General has approved this morning the settlement that was reached with Prince Al-Walid. No details of the terms. Did, um, what are they, dinars change hands? The decision to free him and the release of several other well-known tycoons the day before suggested the main part of the corruption probe was winding down after it sent shockwaves through Saudi Arabia's establishment. The authorities appear keen to conclude the probe, says Reuters, partly because foreign investors were concerned their assets or local business partners could be targeted in the crackdown. He's also an investor... Prince Walid in Twitter and Citigroup and the Plaza Hotel in New York, said the uh, Gulf banker. The government's signaling it want to, wants to move to a new phase now, away from the crackdown on corruption and into other economic reforms. He's been uh, confined at the Ritz since November. That's rough. Have you... The breakfasts there are so... The Attorney General said earlier this week 90 detainees had been released after their charges were dropped, while others traded cash, real estate, and other assets for their freedom. The others not named, and the terms of the Prince Al-Walid deal not disclosed. You must connect the dots on your own, ladies and gentlemen. The authorities are still holding 95 people. Some are expected to be put on trial. An official Saudi source said several prominent businessmen had reached financial settlements with the authorities. Saudi authorities have said they expect to raise some $100 billion for the government through such settlements. It's a huge windfall for our freedom-loving friends because they've seen their finances squeezed by low oil prices. Is it all beginning to make sense now? How, how things go with our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Look at the 
Los Angeles. No, nowhere near. <laughs> From New Orleans, this is the show. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, a, uh, we, we in America like to talk about journeys uh, that people take. So just a, a brief journey right here. The first time I think most of us became aware of a gentleman 
named Steve Wynn. He was doing a TV commercial for his own hotel in Las Vegas, and uh, his guest star in the commercial was Frank Sinatra. Hi, Mr. Sinatra. I'm Steve Wynn. I run this place. You see, I get enough towels. Towels? Towels? Towels, he said, looking at the camera, doing a, a, a Las Vegas Hotel Magnets version of a comic reaction. Um, flash forward to this week. We didn't really hear much from Steve Wynn in the interim, in the intervening years. This week we learned that uh, he was a, a chairman of the Republican National Committee's Finance Committee and had been the victim of a, uh, an investigation by the Wall Street Journal finding that he had uh, supposedly, allegedly, thank you, Tom, according to uh, many, many sources, uh, been guilty of, guess what, sexual harassment of his employees. And uh, he is this weekend, resigned as chairman of the Finance Committee of the Republican National Committee. So uh, he won't be asking you for money, and uh, I think you can ask him for towels. What a journey. Ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while we mention the F-35, America's newest, most powerful jet fighter, except it's not in the air yet. And uh, why isn't it? Efforts to improve the reliability of it are stagnant, undercut by problems such as aircraft sitting idle over the last year, awaiting spare parts from the contractor. It's according to the Pentagon's testing office. Testing. This thing on. The availability of the fighter jet for missions when needed, that's a key metric, don't you think? Remains around 50%. 50%. Scrabble, scramble. Well, what are you scramble? A condition that's existed with no significant improvement for the last three and a half years, despite the increasing number of aircraft. This uh, was obtained by Bloomberg News, the uh, report delivered to senior Pentagon leaders and congressional committees who didn't apparently blanch. Blanch! They outlined the status of the costliest U.S. weapon system as it's scheduled to end its 16-year-old development phase this year. It's supposed to proceed to intense combat testing in September, necessary before the plane is approved for full production. A final version of the plane's software has gone through 31 iterations, has yet to be deployed because of, quote, key remaining deficiencies, unquote. More mundane issues also are cited, such as tires on the Marine Corps version of the plane, proving less than durable. <coughs> Oops, another another flap. A host of unresolved issues that will carry over into the combat testing unless they're resolved. My favorite one of the unresolved issues, the problem of planes waiting for replacement parts is exacerbated by an immature diagnostic system that detects failures that have actually not failed. The misdiagnosed parts are sent back to the original manufacturer, then returned to the supply chain, adding to the backlog in an already overloaded repair system. Those failures that didn't fail, they're going to get you every time. Ladies and gentlemen, the, um, there's a big cosmetics chain. I, I don't know the cosmetics world to know if it has uh, come across the pond to the United States, but it's really big overseas called Ulta, U-L-T-A, it's been accused in the uh, United Kingdom by a former employee and people on Twitter of selling makeup that's already been used, according to the independent newspaper. People are disgusted. Ulta has strongly denied it is company policy to resell used makeup and has promised to investigate. It's a power in the beauty industry, says the independent. 
Online cosmetic companies switching to brick-and-mortar offerings are often stocked in Ulta before any other store, but one former employee took to Twitter to share what's going on behind closed doors. Ulta at Ulta return products immediately go back on the shelves without proper sanitation, said this uh, former employee. The uh, tweets included pictures of used products which were not sanitized but instead cleaned to look new. She, the former employee, adds, this should be a warning to everyone. Always check your makeup before you leave. She contacted Ulta Corporate about the matter but realized that other than mascara, the company representative could not confirm that other products were sterilized before repurchase. The thread has been retweeted over 28,000 times. Many uh, followers are sharing their own stories of products they purchased that were already used. Alta still maintains they don't do that. As a company, we did not condone the selling of used makeup. We will look into those disturbing claims immediately. Of course, doing it in the, the, that brick-and-mortar way, is, it's just so old school. Hi, this is the Entrepod, the podcast for wannabe entrepreneurs and people who want to be one. It's brought to you by our friends at Quiffle.com, publishers of the brand new ebook, Entrepreneurship for Dummies. But spoiler alert, <laughs> it's not really for dummies. The guys at Quiffle know that. I'm Adam Buckholtz. Today I'm welcoming, we're back in my parents' living room, I'm welcoming the spark plug behind a whole new engine in the sharing economy. Charity Antrobus is founder and CEO of Buttes, and the first thing she's going to share is some conversations with me. Charity, welcome to the pod. Hey, Adam, it it looks more like a living room, but thanks. (laughs) The pod is the show. Mm. So look, your your company is called B-E-A-U-T-Z, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that has something to do with beauty, like you just replace the Y with a Z, kind of? You crushed that brain teaser, dude. (laughs) But yeah, the cosmetics industry has a lot of players, but a few big ones, so they've got pricing power and the power of advertising. And so you pay top dollar and then some for highly rated beauty products. And our mission is to smash all that. And by, by smash, you don't mean crush. <laughs> we mean disrupt with extreme prejudice. <laughs> State Bannon isn't one of your investors, is he? No, we haven't been actively seeking funding from people with no money. <laughs> I just got to say, this is the kind of balls-out attitude listeners can learn at Quiffle's Entrepreneur Boot, Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Boot Camp. I got it from being the youngest of nine kids. Oh, that works, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back to Butte. <laughs> What's the concept behind the idea? So, you've got this business, almost a cosmetics cartel, mm-hmm. shoving a lot of product out to uh, consumers. A lot of women use a product once or twice, and they get tired of it, or they decide the color isn't quite what they were expecting, uh-huh. or the fragrance, mm-hmm. or whatever. Or, or, or it's just what I, th- I think my dad calls fickle. Yeah, I got to meet him one day. Anyway, uh, what does this tell you? That you like older men? It tells you that there's a huge inventory of unused cosmetics sitting in the medicine cabinets and vanity tables of the world's women. We've got three choices as a species. Mm-hmm. Either it sits there, or it gets thrown out and contributes to the destruction of the planet. No, we don't want that. Or it gets shared. So Butte is all about sharing used cosmetics? Seldom used. Absolutely right. But 
but you're not a cosmetics company, I bet. Nope. We're purely a platform play. Mm. We leave the actual development of beauty products to the chem geeks. So, uh, like, a, a woman or would... In, or increasingly a younger man. Oh, got it, got it. I borrow my mom's eyeliner sometimes. Mm. So a person fires up your app, says, I'm looking for blusher or lipstick or whatever. And there's, like, this incredible rush of women or younger men to their stash of stuff, coming back saying, oh, I've got half a jar of that, or I've used this stick exactly once. And, and, and since you're not charging what they call in the TV ads department store prices. Two questions. Hmm? What's a department store and what's TV? <laughs> Good burn. So how does pricing work? We've developed a protocol known as the speed haggle. Hmm. One minute to bargain the price. If it doesn't happen in what we call the haggle bubble, Buyer moves on. Wow. Slick. Mm -hmm. Has this been rolled out yet? Proof of concept is happening in three medium-sized cities. We're not naming them for competitive reasons. Amazing. You found cities without names? Oh, I see what you meant there. Mm -hmm. uh, so the last question on my tablet is, what about the health questions regarding using other people's personal stuff? Does Buttes do any sanitizing or anything? Adam, if we got into something like that, We'd have what our lawyer calls mad liability issues. Mm. We're simply a technology platform matching buyers and sellers. And and, and so buyer beware? And seller too. Uh. We don't take sides. <laughs> we just bring people together for a more beautiful world. Well, who could be against that? I guess somebody starting up a platform called Bud Uglies. Right. We done? Uh, just about. Charity Antrobus. One of the special women crushing the virtual glass ceiling of the entrepreneur's man cave. Thanks so much for sharing with me. Thanks, inside tip. We're having a weekend sale on almost never used men's tanning gels. Oh, totally stoked. And I want to tell our listeners that we're trying extra hard to have as a guest on our next edition of the Entrepod. 18-year-old college dropout Bart Shady who's in the midst of trying to sell his fake catcher algorithm to Facebook. Until then, I'm Adam Buckholtz saying peace out from my parents' house. And now news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole Jr. Well, you probably are aware of the reverberations echoing across the amateur, amateur sports world in the wake of the conviction of Dr. Larry Nasser, the team doctor for USA Gymnastics, uh, sentenced in a televised sentencing hearing this week to 170 years for molesting and abusing Dozens and dozens, I think there were more than 150 women who made uh, survivor statements at the sentencing hearing uh, who were supposedly receiving medical treatment from Dr. Nasser. And in many cases, he did this under a towel. Towels? Right with the parent, mother usually, of the gymnast in the room as this happened. Nice, right? Anyway... The uh, directors of USA Gymnastics 
are resigning following the revelations that their team doctor sexually abused for uh, female athletes. This compli complies with the demand from the U.S. Olympic Committee. The USOC had threatened to strip USA Gymnastics of its power to run its sport if the remaining 16 directors didn't resign. Because, you know, you got to keep the Olympics skirt clean. Of course, the president of Michigan State University, where Nasser was ensconced, has also resigned, as have many uh, members of the, I, I think some members of the university's board of trustees, there's that word again, trust, uh, are resigning. And in other Olympic news, an NBC News host, Les, Lester Holt, was reportedly duped by North Korean propaganda. He delivered an upbeat news report from a ghost town that had been transformed into a supposedly busy ski resort. He reported from the Masikurong Resort, a facility that was personally ordered by Kim Jong-un and is typically empty, but as Holt delivered the TV report, he failed to notice that the behind him were skiers wearing identical outfits in an attempt to give the impression of a busy and progressive ski resort. He claimed the resort is a source of immense pride for a, company try, uh, for a country trying to present a new and modern face to the world. Apparent gaffe was even noticed by President, nomin President Trump's nominee for ambassador to Germany, who wrote, pro tip for Holt, when everyone is wearing matching jackets, it's a staged event. The controversial report came as part of Holt's visit to North Korea only weeks before. Oh, here's a coincidence. The 2018 Winter Olympics are scheduled to be held in Pyeongchang, South Korea, and televised by, oh, come on, NBC. Throughout the trip, critics slammed Holt's coverage for being sycophantic, with the New York Times accusing him of filming propaganda. Holt is yet to directly respond to the criticism. Hey, they could be, you know, it's North Korea. They could all be dressed identically because those are the only clothes they sell. Or it could be the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. Has he won an Oscar for that yet? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Speaking of which, Korea's skating union has apologized for souring the mood of February's Winter Games after a coach was banned for life for striking an athlete. Kim Sang-hang, president of the Korea Skating Union, said in a statement it would take steps to avoid further problems as South Korea pre prepares to host next month's thing. The incident sparked a huge backlash in Korea. 200 online petitions calling for the KSU, the Korea Skating Union, to be reformed and disbanded. They, those petitions were lodged at the presidential Blue House. I said Blue House. The KSU has seen more than its fair share of controversy over the years with allegations of favoritism and athlete mistreatment. I sincerely apologize for the issues regarding the national skating team ahead of the Winter Olympics. Kim said in a statement, We promise there will be no repeat of these problems and we'll come up with reform measures and implement them as soon as possible. The KSU had handed out a lifetime ban to the coach 
Shim Suk Hee after he admitted to physically assaulting a 20-year-old who won gold, silver, and bronze medals in Sochi. Daylight Washington, a former Trump campaign surrogate who now holds a job in the administration, is apologizing after attacking a reporter on her personal Twitter account. Lynn Patton, who heads a regional office of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, had referred to reporter April Ryan as, quote, Miss Piggy. In a tweet, Ryan is the White House correspondent for American Urban Radio Networks, appears on CNN. Patton later tweeted, Tonight I made an inexcusable comment on my personal Twitter account that I deeply regret and deleted on my own volition. She's apologizing to Ryan, HUD Secretary Ben Carson, and the hashtag Trump family. The best-selling UK children's book author David Walliams has withdrawn his um, offer to uh, name a character in his next book after a winning bidder at a pricey and men-only charity dinner was held in London the President's Club after a sexual harassment scandal erupted as a result of an undercover reporter for the Financial Times revealing a, a scene that looked like the Playboy Club from the 1960s run amok. Attended by billionaires, politicians, and businessmen, the President's Club was widely condemned after the FT allegations about wide-scale groping and sexual harassment of hostesses employed at the event. Guests rushed to distance themselves from the charity. As a children's author, Williams has been heavily criticized for his involvement in the event. Several bookshops have canceled or removed his books from the shelves. Last Thursday night, I hosted the President's Club annual charity fundraiser, he tweeted. I agreed to host it as one of the biggest charity fundraising events of the year. I was there in a strictly professional capacity and not as a guest. I left immediately after I'd finished. I did not witness any of the kind of behavior that allegedly occurred and am absolutely appalled by the reports. He apologized. Michigan State University's Board of Trustees, mentioned earlier in this broadcast, is apologizing to the victims of Larry Nasser. The board unanimously approved a resolution accepting the resignation of the president of the university. And uh, the board chairman, Brian Breslin, read a statement in which the board apologized to Nasser's victims and said the institution hasn't been focused enough on them. The board acknowledged its failures in operations, process, and culture. Well, go see Carmen. And talked about bringing in a third party to review how it handles health and safety on campus. We cannot change the past, but we can and will devote our time and resources to foster healing. Foster healing was in some movies in the 40s, wasn't he? After that, each trustee individually addressed the campus community. I'm sorry to the courageous survivors. I'm so truly sorry we failed you, said trust, trustee Brian Masalam. So they all, they all apologized, individually and as a group. Deadline Houston, the Abbey Theater's managing director, issued a statement apologizing for the handling of abuse allegations against the former artistic director, Gregory Boyd, who renounced his retirement earlier this month after uh, allegations of some uh, misbehavior on Boyd's part. More than 20 current and former LA employees have told the Houston Chronicle that Boyd's 28-year tenure at the theater was tainted by abusive behavior, particularly toward young actresses. Imagine that. The alley was under pressure from its own employees and donors after refusing to answer the media's questions about Boyd's retirement, which was announced January 9th. On behalf of the Alley Theater, we apologize for recent events and the actions that led to these news stories. 
We recognize the lack of transparency has been viewed negatively. We should have handled it differently. We apologize to those impacted, the alley staff, patrons, donors, press, and to the city of Houston. Did I mention we were apologizing to donors? Unquote. Now, that Dateline Albany, New York, Brooklyn State Senator Martin Golden apologized on Friday for controversial remarks he made this week that opioids are no longer, quote, a ghetto drug, unquote. To anyone who was offended by my choice of words regarding the heroin and opioid crisis featuring, uh, facing our state, I sincerely apologize, said Golden, a Republican and former cop. And the U.S. Olympic Committee has apologized for the uh, sexual abuse and assault of Team USA athletes. Worse than our worst fears, the chief executive officer of the USOC apologized to athletes and announced the organization will launch an independent investigation. The letter was released minutes after that sentencing hearing concluded. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It is, as always, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And remain so. Ladies and gentlemen, just a little note about our friends, the Let Us Try people, because they didn't really try. According to the Houston Chronicle, not long after the federal government erected two earthen dams on an empty patch of prairie west of Houston, the Army Corps of Engineers predicted that thousands of acres of private property could be consumed by lakes that would form upstream in a big storm. That was in 1962. Neither then nor later when hundreds of subdivisions were built upstream from those reservoirs, did the federal government buy additional land to make room for emergency lake beds that ultimately flooded 14,000 homes during Hurricane Harvey last year. More than a half century of the Corps' own reports are presented as the strongest evidence to support homeowners keep seeking compensation from the federal government because of the water that flowed into their property. Corps' own data showed that federal engineers had already calculated they needed to acquire almost 5,000 more acres of private land to accommodate the area that would be flooded by the reservoirs behind the two dams. 
Most of that land was rice fields and ranches back then, but the Corps took no action either to acquire property or to obtain easements. Let us not try every once in a while. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over this audio device of your choice. And it'd be just like everybody having a faith advisor, if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show, Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, and ex- uh, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile, and Hawaii desk. Thanks always to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans as well as to Jenny Lawson for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, I read them if you write them. The playlist of music heard here on and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Wow, what a happy Valentine's Day that would be. All at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. from Century of Progress Production and originates through the facilities of WWNO, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. It's carnival time. So long from New Orleans. <laughs>